It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. Good to have you aboard with you for the next 60 minutes. He's Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring at 201-939-4513. You can hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So we now start to turn the page towards week eight, Monday Night Football. Giants visiting the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll get into that. We'll also provide our takeaways from the week seven victory over the Carolina Panthers and some of the latest injury news as Joe Judge addressed the media the other day. Jeff, how's everything on your end today? Wonderful, Lance. A little, uh, little stormy out here, but you know, hey, we got the show today, so we're all good. But and, uh, excited about talking a little bit about the game last week. We'll turn the page, like you said, and uh, move forward to this uh, game on Monday night. So we get an extra, extra day of preparation. Both the Absolutely. team and us. So. <laughs> which is always a good thing. We're not complaining. Yeah. But the good thing about that is that we get to watch football all day Sunday, which normally right. you and I do not get to do, um, other than maybe the league game on Sunday. Of course, Monday night we get to watch it. But, yeah, that's about – although, I don't know. I can't stay up for that Monday night game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm a loser. I go to bed early. So, <laughs> Well, that's more of a reason why you have to put some additional prep work in this week. That's, that's exactly to make sure right. you build up well, the durability for the late I, night on I'm going to have to. There's going to be yeah. a, a big pot of coffee for that night because <laughs> that's a late one. It really is. So, and uh, But it's fun. It's good. And, you know, listen, the Giants they get a national game, and coming off of a win will be good for them, carry that confidence into a – to next week or actually Monday night and you know to a Kansas City team that honestly is not as good as they used to be but they are they are potent so you got to be careful with them still very dangerous they're yeah. just killing themselves right now with turnovers it's hard to believe the Chiefs are dead last Jeff in the NFL in turnover differential I saw that I saw that I was just looking at some of the statistics uh that was put up um on our Giants media page and uh they they're they've got 17 giveaways which is most of the last. NFL yep, yep. Yep, dead last, and their takeaways are—they've uh, taken away it seven times, so that's 18th in the league. But you know, we know all about the giveaway category, don't we, Lance? Uh, we we talk when we talk <laughs> about that. So, and listen, I think that you know Patrick Mahomes has always—he's pretty much—he's a gambler, right? So you're going to start—he's going to start throwing interceptions here and there. But the flip side of him is that he can. He can make up for it, and, you know, he'll throw an interception, but he'll throw three more touchdowns. So, um, unfortunately, it doesn't seem, to be, doesn't seem to be happening a lot for him this year. So, um, and listen, I feel like, you know, defenses, um, they will eventually catch up to you and start to do things to, to catch up to the ways you're playing. So, I think that's what's happening here. And the, certainly their defense um, is not playing well at all. So, listen, Giants uh, – it's going to be a tough place to play. We talk about that all the time, and I've played there many, many times. And uh, as a visiting team, the, if you keep the crowd in it, Lance, that, that gets very difficult there. But um, you take the crowd out of it, and you've got a chance. You really do. So one thing the Giants can't do is turn the ball over on the road, and certainly in any team for that matter. One of the loudest places in the NFL, oh similar to Seattle. That's another reason why you want to be able to take the crowd out of it. But I think – 
really it goes back to the Giants, Jeff, because we could sit here all day and tell you Kansas City doesn't look like the same juggernaut we've seen over the last few seasons. The Chiefs haven't taken care of the football. Their defense is struggling. Of course, a lot of question marks. But to me, the conversation needs to go in the direction if the Chiefs bring that style of football Monday night with them, where they are careless with the football, believe it or not, this to me was an even more impressive statistic outside of the turnover differential. The Chiefs have had four games this year, Jeff, where they have been down by double digits, whether it be home or on the road, right? That's not one of those situations you look at. Now, I'll give the Chiefs credit because I think you hit on this earlier. They are able to probably dig themselves out of holes compared to more teams across yeah, the NFL. Playmakers. So Correct. So that gives them an opportunity to say, all right, you could jump on us early, but the game is far from being over. However, they haven't done a good job mm-hmm. digging themselves out of the hole. But I guess my point is, if Kansas City turns the ball over two to three times, which is what we saw against Tennessee this past weekend— the Titans, though capitalized, jumped out to a 27 nothing lead. Can the Giants do that, Jeff? Mm-hmm. I don't think they've answered the call in that department. They haven't. They have not. Um, I feel like, the, you know, this game, they put up some, you know, against a, a decent defense, Carolina Panthers. Obviously, that side of the football was better than the offense without McCaffrey. But, uh, you know, I think that the Giants are trending. If they can get some guys back, I don't know who's coming back. Uh, we'll talk about that soon. But, you know, yeah, I think that you can – here's the thing. You know, if you can like – and I, I know that a lot of people may not know how big of a deal this is, but I'm telling you, after playing you – know, I was with the Seattle Seahawks, and we were in the AFC West, and that was the that was a division long ago when we played in that. So we I played in Kansas City quite a bit. And so I'm telling you, when you take the crowd out of that game, it, it it's a lot better. You can play – I mean, listen, it, it's a big difference. But if you let that team – you know, go in there and, and they're dominating, you're going to have a hard time. So uh, you got to be opportuni- opportunistic and, and turn those plays into points because this team will be able to put some points up to you quickly, like you said. They, they haven't, you know, they've got the weapons, and that's what's scary about them. Um, with this, this type of potent offense, when they get it going, it's hard to stop. But as of late, you know, they, the Giants could have a chance here. It's going to be a tough win, trust me. It's going to be a tough place to play and go in there and win on the road. Especially since that team is so hungry to turn things around. Yeah. Andy Reid, when he spoke to the media after the Tennessee game, he was putting everything on the coaching staff and really taking a big bulk of the blame and taking it away from the players. And granted, hey, that's the job of a coach. But I do think the fact that they're going to be home, they're 3-4. and four. This is really uncharted territory for the Chiefs mm-hmm. since Patrick Mahomes was drafted in 2017. And that was, of course, when Alex Smith was still the starting quarterback. So you can tell me all you want about the Chiefs are having a rough go. It's not the type of team you overlook and you say, hey, we have this team exactly where we want. They're going to have that type of atmosphere Monday night where they know the sense of urgency is overwhelming because they're in a division where they're contending with the Chargers – the Raiders are 5-2. and two. Denver is tied with them. And you look at the rest of the AFC with what we're seeing out of teams like Buffalo. Look at the AFC North, Jeff. I mean, everybody in that division has their head above water. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh is regrouped. Cincinnati beat Baltimore on Sunday. The bottom line is I think the Chiefs are coming to the realization if we don't get our act together – it's going to be a struggle to even come up with a wild card this season because of how much depth is in that conference. 
Yeah, there's no question. I, I think that when I'm looking at the matchups on paper here is where, where can I, you know, do well? And I'm looking at these rankings on this defense. My goodness, I didn't realize they were this bad. I mean, their total defense is 28th in the league. They're giving up 404 yards a game. Their passing defense is 26th at 275. Their rushing defense is giving up almost 130 yards a game. And their scoring defense is tied for 27th in the NFL, giving up 29 points a game. So, um, and then their 30th and third down defense at almost 50%, 48.7. I mean, these are some big numbers here that the Giants could uh, really take advantage of. However, on the other side, now, is this, did you see the Giants defense get back to where they need to be? Uh, I thought I did to a point. Um, you know, I didn't see a whole lot of missed tackles. Uh, I saw another uh, takeaway, another interception. By the way, that was seven games in a row they've taken the ball away. Um, I saw a lot of different types of coverages and mixing things up, some different blitz packages, and I also saw a lot of pressure on the quarterback and some sacks. That's the defense that we always thought that was going to be this way in 2021, right? I mean, so sure. take that confidence along with the wind on the road to a team that uh, defensively, you know, uh, they're going to have to hold up against this offense for the Chiefs. But the Giants defense, hey, listen, I mean, I mean, excuse me, the Giants offense, they've, they've got a chance here. They can get the running game going and put some play action and make some big plays. Boy, I don't know. I, I would love to see Kadarius Tony be able to come back. I don't know anything about the injury report, where we're going with this stuff. But um, the more people, hands on deck you have going up there, the better off you're going to be. Well, Thursday is going to be a telling day. And remember, Thursday this week is the equivalent to a Wednesday because right. everything gets pushed back one day. Joe Judge, when he was speaking to the media the other day, he said Wednesday is going to be a telling day. But I think he was really referring to Thursday because Thursday yeah, is yeah. their Wednesday this week. So that was his answer, Jeff, to get to what you were saying with respect to guys like Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, and Kadarius Toney. Can they get out on the field the first day of practice this week? Can they get them to move around a little bit? If they're a DNP, did not participate, I would say that would be an indication maybe some of those guys need another week. Jabril Peppers was getting further testing done, so he didn't really have an update with him. Remember, Peppers left the game with an ankle injury. He just came back from the hamstring injury. Those are really the four major injuries of note because you had Darius Slade in return. Now, granted, Sterling Shepard did not play. He was a limited participant last week in practice, so I guess you could throw him into the mix too. It'll be telling to see what his activity rate is on Thursday when they have their first day of practice. But to get back to your point, this is a Kansas City defense that has surrendered pretty much about 29 points or more in just about every single game. The Browns scored 29. The Ravens scored 36. The Chargers scored 30. The Eagles put up 30, though the Chiefs scored 42. Buffalo put up 38. Washington, okay, Kansas City had a really good <laughs> second half. Washington scored 13. That was an outlier, though. And then Tennessee just put up 27. Now, you could say, okay, well, the Chiefs shut them out in the second half. But I think Tennessee at that point was like, hey, let's just keep everything in front of us. Mm -hmm. And let's not worry about what's going on from a defensive perspective as long as we don't give up the big plays. And they were obviously looking to run the ball and milk the clock in the second half. So strategy played a role. But what I just read you, Jeff, was everybody – has put up, right, <laughs> for the most part, 27-29 or more with the exception of Washington, which is, yes, it's appealing to the Giants, but I'm going to throw it back towards the Giants' direction. Outside of this Carolina game mm -hmm. where the defense answered the call 
and the offense put some points up on the board in the second half. They scored on four straight possessions. Have we seen it enough consistently to bank on it? No, we haven't. Um, You're just hoping that this is a start. Um, You know, and it's very difficult to get some a rhythm with this offense when you got guys in and out of the lineup. Bottom line, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the uh, the defense did the Giants a huge favor. They got them two points at least. But you know, as far as um, you know, when you look at this Giants offense, and in the first half they crossed the fifty yard line five times, okay, and only got a field goal. So that just kind of tells you where you are offensively. Even though at the end of the game what the score was. But still, that first half, you got opportunities. You got to take advantage of them when you get on the other side of the field. I mean, and they just didn't. So, um, you know, they got to work on that. And but uh, but to my point is, Lance, is that you get some of these guys back and you get some consistency on offense. Now, consistency when we talk about the offensive line, it looks like you know the, they they came out of the game pretty healthy for once, and that maybe you can get some consistency with the same lineup going into Kansas City this week. So we'll see. Yeah, I think that would be huge because especially since there's been a game of musical chairs on the offensive line, what they had pretty much seven different combinations in seven games. Is this going to be finally, Jeff, the first game where you have the same offensive line heading in? I think that would be certainly nice. They pretty much kept that Carolina pass rush in check. Mm -hmm. You didn't have any game-changing, back-breaking plays by Hassan Reddick, who had five sacks when he was with the Cardinals against the Giants last season. Brian Burns had the early sack where they ran a stunt, but outside of that, right, you didn't really see many plays where it was like, oh my God, he's putting his stamp on this game, so I thought that was encouraging, and then on the defensive side of the ball, you took advantage of a team that was struggling on the offensive side of the ball. You didn't allow Carolina to walk away and say, we were in desperation of a win, we were in a desperation of putting our offense on the right track, we wanted this to be our get-right game. We couldn't capitalize. The Giants didn't allow that, and that was important because how many times, Jeff, have we talked about a team coming in, they have so many question marks, but all of a sudden they put up their best showing because the Giants can't take advantage of that. And to me, the most telling stat, you were talking about the Giants' offense and the fact that they actually got into Carolina territory a lot in the first half. They didn't do anything with it. Well, how about the Giants limiting the Panthers to only three possessions out of 12 <laughs> where they actually got into the Giants' territory and the Giants didn't let them do anything with that? They had the field goal on that first drive where they actually ran the ball seven times out of 13 plays. That was encouraging. Then the next possession they got into Giants' territory, Jeff, Sam Darnold threw the interception where he airmailed the tight end. And then the final one came in the second half when P.J. Walker was the quarterback and they wound up turning it over on down. So it was pulling teeth for Carolina to move the football. And that says a lot about the Giants' defensive effort. It does show a lot. And it it just tells you they toughened up. And, you know, and this just goes back to what we've always talked about when I don't care who it is, Sam Darnold, it could be Tom Brady. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is if you're able to get pressure. Pressure creates problems. And look at uh, Aziz. Look at all these guys that had some – and Williams. Lots and lots of pressure. I I don't know the number in the sacks. They had six, I think, maybe. Six sacks total. So, you know, where has that been all season? And that's just – you know, that's a start going forward. So, that's something you got to tip your hat to these guys. They they got after it. And, yeah, was it a weak – Offensive line, of course, but you know what? I don't. Doesn't matter. You still show well, you up on take Sunday. You got to take advantage of it. Yeah. You got to take advantage of it. And just like other, did. just like other teams have taken advantage of the offensive line for the Giants when they've been banged up too. So you know you got to go ahead and just chart your course to certain areas of the game, and you get around that game plan. And um, you know I really talk about uh, Ojolari. 
here's a young man that, you know, we thought he was going to be pretty good. Um, when we did our over-unders at the beginning of the season, you know, some guys were – I mean, I think I, I think I picked him to lead the team in sacks this year. I don't know what it was, but here's the thing about him. I, I saw a quote by him the other day, and I'd really like to see these things. I'm, I'm big on – when I read, read these quotes from these guys, I kind of read – I read it as like, is this guy getting it or does he, does he not get it? Is he maturing? I loved what he said. He said, listen, I, I just go to work every day. I'm getting, I'm getting better. Uh, I'm getting used to the speed of this level and the game is slowing down for me. That's awesome. I mean, that just goes to show you that they, he's being honest with you and it's showing. So, you know, he kind of went off the radar a little bit for those three or four games after the – or not three. Yeah, maybe three games because the first three games he had sacks. Correct. And then it kind of went off the, the next uh, three games after that. We didn't hear much from him. But then, you know, had a coming out party last weekend. So uh, I like the way he's playing. And certainly teams got to pay attention to him a little bit now. So I And by the was- way, and, that, and that's what you need. You know what I'm saying? Like when you have – multiple players who have the ability to get after the quarterback, you no longer can pay attention to just one person now, you know? So Leonard Williams is another guy that, that you got to pay attention to. Well, you also got a young rookie over here that's making some, some t- uh, sacks too. So now you got to pay attention to both of them, you know, not easy. The more guys that they have to game plan, the better off it is for your defense, because mm-hmm. now they have to at least worry about putting their attention towards both sides of the field as opposed to maybe they're only worried about Leonard Williams and they're going to say, hey, we're going to double him and then we'll take our chances on the opposite side. So, yeah, the more guys that can prove they could do it consistently, it's certainly going to help the cause of the Giants' defense. But I think a big reason why the pass rusher was able to get home in Sunday's game, Jeff, and this shouldn't get overlooked, is the coverage was a lot better against Carolina, right, than what we saw in the first six games of the season. Because how many times... Did you watch Sam Darnold take the snap, and I felt like he was holding the ball for a century. Mm -hmm. He could not find anyone down the field. So I think it goes a long way in saying the coverage complemented the pass rush very nicely, and that was a big reason why I think the guys finished and got home. Now, when you go up against a team like Kansas City, as we were talking about earlier, and the level of talent takes it up a notch, and also the decision-making and flair of the quarterback, you know, that's why... My feeling is encouraging results from the Giants' defense, but now you want to see this performance carry over, not for another game, but for multiple games before I think you're convinced, Jeff, that they are capable of duplicating this. Yeah, and anytime those guys can help each other, right? I mean, if you got pass rush, you help the back end of the defense. If your back end of the defense is controlling the uh, the routes and guiding their guy, their coverage is good. They help the guys up front. So, complimentary. That's what it's all about. You got to you know help your help your brothers out there, and that's what they did. So, yeah, can you count on this consistently? That's where you want to get to, and um, we'll see going up this week against this team. You know, the Chiefs are they're just so dynamic that they can – and they have so much – like this is a week that this the Giants' defense is going to have to do a little extra preparation because they shift and motion and they get in and out of plays left and right. And, you know, that's where mental errors come in. And that's part of the Chiefs' ability and part of their offense is to disguise things that make the defense not – recognize things they get and then they match up for big plays so you've got to do a little extra preparation this week and by the way that extra day will help um so you know guys got to get in the in the playbook and they got to watch film they got to listen to their coaches they got to understand concepts and be able to 
realize what these guys are doing because there's a lot of big plays that these guys can make if they if you get in a mismatch and you make a mental error. Well, and, I'm glad you brought up the explosive play type mm-hmm. of topic because that really I think was a big thing that the Giants prevented the Panthers from doing. If you look at Carolina's numbers, first of all, they struggled immensely on third down, and part of that was because they were in a lot of third and longs because they struggled to run the ball, and they really couldn't run the ball when you get down by that much. you got to get pass happy, but the longest run for Carolina was 13 yards, Mm -hmm. and the longest pass was 21. But DJ Moore, who came in, Jeff, a guy who was very good in yak, yardage after the catch, I don't remember right seeing a lot of plays where DJ would get a five five-yard catch, and then all of a sudden no, take he was it. down right away. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, that was something that was also missing. You didn't see a lot of the missed tackling. You didn't see guys out of position, and that's why Carolina wasn't able to come back in the game because we've seen teams, right? They may get down early against the Giants. They come back because they get that big explosive play because the Giants are out of position. You didn't see that against Carolina. Now, to your point, you can't afford – to have that all of a sudden come back to the forefront against a team like Kansas City because they're capable of throwing a five-yard pass to Tyreek Hill and him taking it to the house. Travis Kelsey could bounce off of tackles. So that's why I get back to the point, very promising, but the work is far from being done. Very far from being done. And that's where you have to take into your preparation, and you got to be careful because they have the playmakers up and down that roster, and they're not playing very well. Um, but that doesn't matter. Those, those, you're talking about a team that was in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. I mean, this is these are a lot of the same players are still there. Their offensive line is much improved. Um, but you know, Patrick Mahomes is just not playing like he's like he has in the past, and that happens. You know, I don't think you've ever seen anybody go through their whole career with not you know having a down season or or what. But I mean, it's you know, it, it, you you can definitely expose him a little bit and get he's turning the ball over at a, just a, a nightmarish rate and you just hope that he can continue that for one more week you know but like you always say Lance if they do get the turnovers the Giants they got to be able to turn those things into points no I read then. the statistic in the pregame yesterday heading into Sunday's game they had eight takeaways and they only scored 11 points off of those takeaways and they didn't score remember off the Darnold interception on Sunday so technically, you have nine takeaways, but still only 11 points off of those takeaways. It's kind of hard to do. <laughs> you know, sure. Although, you know, if, depending on obviously where the takeaways come from, if they're deep, deep in, in the other t- territory, I mean, you've got a long ways for the offense to go. But, you know, granted, I don't know where those drives started after the takeaways were, t- were uh, you know, given, but... I, I got to believe that that's you got to be able to improve on that because that's those, that's that's a big part of the game is taking the ball away and converting. I mean, look what the Rams did to the Giants two weeks ago with the turnovers. Exactly. Before you yeah. know it, there they, they was you know twenty one points in a matter of four minutes and fifteen seconds. I think it was something. Like, I know it was just it was roughly over four minutes. They scored twenty one points, and uh, that's that's how you get up on a team. That's how you get up on a team like the Chiefs. Um, quickly take the crowd out of it and then play some good defense after that. Yeah, put them in an early hole. And also, the biggest issue for the Chiefs, too, is the fact that they've been down by so much, they're not able to run the football. Now, Kansas City is the type of team that I don't think they have to lean that heavily on the run, but considering the rate they're turning the ball over, I think they would love to at least feature the run a little bit more to keep defenses honest, and they're unable to do that when you get down 27 nothing in the blink of an eye. You know, you don't have the luxury. And that's what the Giants did to the Panthers. Second half, Carolina couldn't run the ball. To me, one of the most impressive statistics is Carolina ran the ball seven times, Jeff, on the first drive. 
they only end up with 17 carries. That means, yeah. just think about this, right? They had yeah. 11 other possessions for the remainder of the game. They only ran the ball 10 more times within those 11 possessions. That's unreal. It's unreal because for, for that reason, and also you had a, a head coach that basically told you, we're going we're gonna to run the football. Well, you know, they can't. They didn't because they got down and they had to start passing the football because bottom line is that we're going to run the football. That's what Matt Rule said because they don't have confidence in the quarterback. And then when that kind of happened, they got down, they had to pass the ball, which they didn't want to do, and then they end up, you know, taking him out in the fourth quarter basically. So Giants did a nice job. And, uh, you know, that that is crazy that they had seven runs and then they ended up with – what would you say, how many after that? They ended up with just 10 runs the rest of the game. <laughs> the rest of the game. That's, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the way to make a team one-dimensional with a quarterback that has problems protecting the football. So the script could not have been followed to perfection better than how the Giants played things out. Now yeah. the question is, can you duplicate that? Can you continue to put pressure on the opposition to play from behind? And can your offense also put points on the board consistently the second half as they did. I thought, just real quickly before we open up the phone lines, the one thing that worked very effectively for the Giants, and I think this protected the offensive line against Carolina, why Burns and Reddick weren't disruptive is they rolled Daniel Jones out of the pocket. They moved the pocket. They didn't allow him to stand still. So therefore, you gave an opportunity for the pass rushers to tee off on him. And that movement, in addition to the semblance of having a run game, worked very effectively in not allowing Carolina to pin its ears back and be that aggressive from start to finish. Yeah, because, you know, when you looked at their protections um, with those two defensive ends, you're thinking, you know, and I, I had thought that they would do a little bit more, you know, bigger personnel to be able to help those tackles, but you really didn't see it. I mean, I, yeah. I saw once in a while there might have been two tight ends in there, and that was just basically – I don't think that was for protection. I think that was just basically the – the personnel that they wanted to run the play. But um, a lot of times when you have very good pass rushers like the Panthers did, that you see a lot of those three tight ends situations. And I didn't see a lot of that in the game, which was – but because of it, I think you hit the nail on the head that they didn't need it because they were going to roll out and move protections and get him outside and be able to buy a little bit more time, and that worked. So it was a good – I, I, I got to tell you, you know, I think that Jason Garrett did a nice job. I know he's – had a lot of criticism through the season, and um, I'm sure he would tell you the same, that I didn't call a good game here or there, but I thought he did a nice job this last weekend uh, calling plays for the, for the Giants. 201-939-4513. That is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Lance Meadow, Jeff Eagles with you here. Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Let's open up the phone lines. We check in with Ryan in Virginia joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Ryan? What's going on, guys? Thank you guys for, for taking my call. Um, I think you guys made a good point um, starting off. Before I wanted to get my point in about about the progression about Daniel Jones, is it's it's crazy on <clears throat> how much parity there is in the NFL. I mean, a lot of people come into the season. A lot of people were just shooing in Tampa Bay for another another trip to the Super Bowl. When you talk about Patrick Mahomes, you would never, you know, say Patrick Mahomes would be leading the league in turnovers. A lot of times it's, he's leading the league in yards, TDs, having the top offense. And um, just want to make a point about uh, the progression of, of, of Daniel Jones. I'm not that big of a 
stats person. I think stats are more can sometimes be uh, misleading, um, especially in um, fo- football and basketball. But I think some of the things that I'm seeing from from Daniel Jones and obviously Jeff and, and Lance, I want to get um, you guys to take on. I know it's probably gonna make Charlie mad, but um, I think the biggest thing that you're that you're seeing from Daniel is I think his pocket mobility um, has vastly and greatly improved. Um, I think that's started from towards the end of last year. And I remember, um, I think, I can't remember who it was. He was having, one of you guys was having a conversation with, um, I think it was Daniel Jones' trainer. And that was one of the, one of his targets of his offseason was to work on pocket mobility. And I think you've seen it um, from week one all the way until um, this week. Now, I know the, the Rams game was an outlier. Rams are probably one of the best, if not the best, defense in the league. But I think, especially with the Carolina game, um, I think the score could have been a lot worse than um, than twenty five than twenty five to three. I mean, I think Darius Slade had a wide open TD. Um, if they were to give Daniel Jones, you know, an extra half a second to a second to throw the ball, but I think it was either Derek Brown or Brian Burns was like literally in his face, like a snap a second after he snapped it, and. Um, <clears throat> I think the even though his stats doesn't doesn't show it, um, and obviously we're, we're two and five right now. Um, I think the conversation would be completely different if obviously if we would have beat Atlanta and beat um, Washington, and, and we were sitting at at four and three. And um, I, I think the Carolina Panthers games kind of showed us Giants fans kind of what the envision was. Um, kind of what we wanted the Giants to look like from the start of the year. The defense played played lights out um, rather than the first first five or first five or six games where the defense really could really couldn't get off the field and um, you know giving up fourth down conversions. I don't know how many third down conversions the Panthers um, converted on. I I'll be I mean, maybe well they were four, two for fifteen. I'll that, tell you that. Bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they struggled immensely, and part of that was because they weren't effective on first and second down. See, the actually, if you go back to the Rams game, and we'll let you go on that note. Appreciate the phone call, Ryan. Thanks so much for weighing in here. The Rams game, Jeff, they finished 2-for-11 in that game, but the biggest difference was they converted a few fourth downs. That was number one, mm-hmm. and then number two, the Rams were very good on first and second down. So if you look at the down and distance that the Rams faced compared to the Panthers, it was night and day. So that's another reason why you can't just go by third down conversion rate. You have to go by the down and the distance. Mm -hmm. And they kept the Panthers in third and nines, in third and tens, third and twelves. Actually, the Panthers, I was crunching more of the numbers, Jeff, they failed on their final eight third down conversions. And if you look at the down and distance, they had a bunch of third and tens, a bunch of third and twelves. They had a third and 20 because of a penalty. So, you know, the Giants made it virtually impossible for them to dig themselves out of that hole. Yep. And listen, we always talk about those production on first and second down, whether it's your team or the opponent, you know, and it's a lot easier when you're calling third and threes and third and twos than it is third and 13s and 15s. What what goes into that too, Lance, is penalties. You know, those first down penalties, a holding or an offsides, you know, those types of things put you in long distance on, on first and 15, first and 20. You never want to see those. Um, you know, 
as he was as the caller was talking a little bit about the Giants and you know maybe being four and three rather than two and five, it's very it's very realistic. It, and when you look at the Washington game, that's a game that the Giants had. They won the game. They won the game if it wasn't for that penalty. But you know, so that's that's a game you definitely. And you go back to the Atlanta game. So, but here's the thing that I want to talk about a little bit, just in this, in this kind of context. Yeah, the Giants could easily be four and three, and it would be a whole different ball game at this point. However, I think that people are going to go back and say, "Well, what are the teams that the Giants have beaten?" Can I want to see the Giants beat a team like this week? I want to see sure. a Giants team go and beat a team. Okay, even though that the that the Chiefs have a losing record, okay, but you know that they're a, they're a talented football team. They're a better team than any of the teams that the Giants have beaten, okay? Um, and on paper, they're probably just as good as any of the teams in the league. But my point is that until I start believing that this team is getting better, I want to see them beat an opponent that is worthy of it. Does that make sense? I'm completely with you. That was okay. my point earlier, Jeff. Yeah, That's what yeah, I was selling to yeah, you. I no. am completely with you. Yeah, yes. Okay. So, And this is, this is their opportunity. And by the way, you know, what what helps them do that is two things. Number one, and I've I've just I've lived it. I've been there. I've seen it. I've done it. It's confidence, you know. So a win builds confidence within your locker room, within the organization. It just happens. So what a better no better time to be able to have that win last weekend and take it on the road to the Chiefs game. And um, I've said this before, and I said it when the Giants went on the road to New Orleans and got their first first uh, win after coming off of those couple, you know, bad, bad losses uh, with Washington and Atlanta. Sometimes, you know, teams play better on the road because they focus better um, and they get on that plane and they go and, and listen, this, you know, back in the day when before all of this Sunday night football and, you know, all the networks did all this football stuff Thursday night, Monday Night Football used to be the best game there was. You wanted to play on Monday Night Football because it was the only game on TV and everybody was watching you. So it's kind of lost a little a bit of that, but it's still national TV. And it's a great time for, for to show the world that you're a team that's on the up, up and up, you know. So that's what I want to see. And, and, boy, I tell you, if the Giants win this game this week and come, come two in a row and beat the Chiefs on the road, then I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a buyer. Right now, I'm eh, kind of sitting here. Still, the jury's out for me a little bit, but I think the team is uh, improving, and they, especially if they can get some of their players back, Lance. Yeah, well, that could go a long way in terms of certainly helping the offense be a little 100%. bit more consistent. Yeah. But I'm completely with you. I echo your sentiments with respect to the caliber of the competition. Not to take anything away from the Giants. I said this at the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. When you go up against a team that's limping in, has question marks, you're supposed to win like this in mm -hmm. dominant fashion. The yeah. Giants answered the call. But I think it's fair to say, Jeff, was that defensive performance a reflection of a team with a rough offensive line and a quarterback that is still working out issues in decision-making, or is it a sign of what's yet to come? I think we're going to know a lot more based on how they fare against Patrick Mahomes, who is a far more accomplished quarterback than Sam Darnold, and a much more dynamic team that is around him. 100%. 100%. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We're a little less than a week away, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Clock is ticking. Absolutely. Yep. Well, yep. speaking of the clock ticking, let's head back to the lines at 201-939-4513. Justin is in Tampa, and he joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Justin? Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm a uh, longtime listener, first-time caller. Love your show. Hey, welcome well, thanks aboard. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Appreciate it. 
Thank you. Yeah, so, you know, what a difference a week makes. You know, it's last week I'm watching the game with my kid, and I'm apologizing to him for making him a Giants fan. And then this week, <laughs> you know, we're playing uh, complimentary football. Uh, you know, really, really a solid game all around. I mean, I know the first half was, was really tight. You know, there was, there was definitely some, some areas there where we, you know, we could have jumped on him a little more uh, defensively looking you know, really sound. I mean, Leonard Williams kind of answering the bell um, is great to see. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's funny. This this season kind of feels like the season of, of great unfortunate circumstance uh, for the New York football giants. I mean, we got all these injuries coming in. Uh, we see Kadarius Tony. We get a taste of him. He's injured. You know, just it, this team put together with all of its starters, uh, offensively specifically, I think, I mean, of course, it's conjecture, but I think, you know, could compete with just about anybody. So we've just had so many injuries. And as, as fans, I mean, it, it and, I, you know, it's really, really hard to watch. I mean, especially seeing Dallas Cowboys have their way with us. And, of course, the Rams, you know, putting up 28 points in a quarter. Um, so, you know, it's been a tough season, you know, just terrible circumstance. And, you know, we just got to hang in there. And, and see this team get put together and not jump to any conclusions. I know that, you know, a lot of the fans are calling for the heads of, you know, Gettleman and, and whatnot. You know, I've even heard Judge's name thrown in there a few times. And, and I get it. I understand the frustration. But, you know, this, this past week, you know, we're, we're still playing, you know, from behind the, you know, behind the stakes. And, and uh, you know, we had some guys step up. I mean, Pettis stepped up. We had some guys really come. And, and, and Daniel Jones playing amazing. But I can't wait to see this team kind of – get put together with all their offensive starters, I really truly think, I mean, uh, you know, we will, we will able to sustain drives, put some points up on the board. I think we'll be able to be competitive with most teams. Uh, you know, our defense obviously has not played up to par uh, what we were expecting this year. But then again, we've got to keep in mind, you know, the offense, it's complimentary football. If the offense is doing three and outs, not sustaining drives, and that defense is on the field for long periods of time, I mean, you know, that's part of it. So I guess, you know, my call is to celebrate this, this past victory was kind of unexpected for me. I was up in North Carolina watching the game, which was kind of fun. Uh, and then having a real good opportunity this week, I think, with hopefully some guys coming back in to play, uh, you know, against the Kansas City defense that is less than stellar, uh, and then seeing if our defense could sustain. And I'll take you guys' uh, conjecture offline. I appreciate you taking the call. You're welcome. Hi, Jesse. Appreciate Thanks the phone call. Uh, listen, you, you can see with – the difference is when you have your defensive front make or making plays and pressure, right? Um, up from the middle, you had Austin Johnson and Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. These guys are all putting pressure on the quarterback. That's what they're going to have to do this week to Mahomes. Um, and you're going to have to be able to have make sure that he doesn't roam around there because you know his scrambling ability. He'll take off, but he's going to throw the football. So it's going to be very difficult to hold your coverages. Um, but you see how important it is when this defense starts to play the way that they we thought they would play because they're able to make plays and takeaways and sacks, and that all goes a long ways when your offense is struggling a little bit. Well, and the coverage was key because, like we said earlier, it enabled them to get pressure on Sam Darnold. And the other thing that I think is important to note, Darnold came in with a number of big runs this season. He had five rushing touchdowns. They really didn't let him do damage when he got out of the pocket. It was really I good containment. I can't remember him running. One, yeah, one exactly. Time. Yeah. Well, there was actually there was one time, if you remember, where he was running and then Peppers tripped him up. 
on oh, a great right. hustle yeah. play. Yeah. That's you right. know, that was one opportunity where maybe he was going to get out of the pocket, but mm-hmm. I agree with Got you, Jeff. Down. Outside of that, I can't remember a time where Donald was thinking, all right, hey, I'm just going to take off because I got nowhere to throw the ball. And that, to me, was important because Mahomes is another type of guy. Okay, he's not necessarily looking to run all the time, but you know what? You give him some room, he's going to take it. So can they do that again? Once again, I think that falls on the coverage. Can the defensive back stick with a Tyreek Hill and a Travis Kelsey and a McCole Hardman. There's a lot of speed in this Kansas City receiving core. If you could do that, then you're going to give guys an opportunity to make plays on Mahomes. Yeah, and I think it's important that you you're going to have to get pressure because you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to cover Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill and all their all their weapons to a point where, you know, you can't let him just sit back there for four and five seconds. You're just not going to be able to do it. So to me, the onus is definitely on the defensive line again to put pressure and um, and do some and you know make him make him get rid of the ball quickly or make him throw interceptions like he's been doing. You know that that's important. And when he's taken off and run, the few times that he's done, he's coughed make up the, the football too. And so it's tackles. really been you know you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't type of thing for Patrick yeah. Mahomes this season. Yep. But, I mean, you know, you can't expect that, and I think that the Giants did a great job with it last week, as, you, as we've been talking about, but you can't expect those guys to hold coverage for that long. No, not at all, especially um, with that speed on the back end, Jeff. That's you right. Just can't. Yeah. You just, you're not going to be able to do it. This, Yeah, so yeah he'll gotta, run circles around you. You'll be with him for three seconds, and all of a sudden he'll get open on the fourth second. You can't right. do that. I yeah. know, and, it just, and you know what? It's, it kills you, too, because you do a good job up to that point, and then you just can't sustain any longer, and next thing you know, it's boom, big play, you know, and they're known for big plays. I mean, just look at the last few years, that, that Chiefs offense, is, it's his highlight reel. No, oh, it's their time identity. And time again. Yeah. It's unreal. It actually it reminds me of the conversation we're having. I don't know if you remember, not the Bucks game, because Kansas City's offense struggled. Two years ago when they beat the Niners, one of the big plays in that game late was actually, if you remember, Mahomes threw it up to Tyreek Hill, down the left sideline, and that was a play where if you saw the initial stages of that play, it's exactly, Jeff, what we're talking about. The Niners' defense was with Tyreek Hill. Mahomes bought time. Hill got open. They lost Tyreek Hill on the back end, and he had a huge completion. That, once again, had them knocking on the door. So that's what has happened more and more often. You take a victory lap because you stay with him, and then you realize, "Uh uh-oh, nobody brought down Mahomes, and now Mahomes is going to come back to bite you. Yeah, and I keep saying it. I, I, I know that this is you've gotta you gotta prepare for this team more than you ever from other teams, you know, and you gotta take that extra and that day is gonna help um because of just the different formations and just how they change things up and um you know Patrick Mahomes is a smart dude. I mean he he's gonna get him in and out of plays that's set up for matchup purposes. So you gotta do your homework and you gotta really study this week so that you understand and I think that I think that Coach Graham will have a good game plan. Um, you know, I don't know how what happened last week if he made it a little bit more basic as he said he wanted to, although the Rams game I know he tried to, but that didn't work. Um, but I just I just think that he'll come up with something. Um, and now the, the team and the players just have to execute it. But they gotta they gotta work a little bit. They gotta prepare. You know, if you're if you're not doing you got to do more than the next person. So it's, it's important that you take your preparation more serious this week against a team like the Chiefs because they will bite you in a second. They will. Man. It's just, and because what scares me, Lance, is that you know that this team is – they're ready to break out at any moment. You know what I'm saying? Like I just sure. can't see them doing 
this the whole season. Um, especially because they have their players, they have their guys. You know, yeah, so, it's not necessarily an injury concern. To no, your point, this is this yeah. is an execution, and and this is more of a operational thing. And you know, of, of all people that can get it going, it's Andy Reid. And uh, you know, whatever what he's done for as many years as he's been a head coach has been impressive. That he's able to come back and put a game plan together, maybe completely different than what they've been used to. And then another team, they haven't seen it. I'm just throwing caution to the wind because this will happen. You know, they'll go study all this stuff one week, and the next thing you know, they're going to they go change their offense around a little bit. And next thing you know, the Giants they don't know what they're doing. And then next thing you know, they're scoring 28 points in the second quarter. So you've got to be careful. Let's head back to the lines. Mike is in Oakland. He joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Mike? Are you in Oakland? Are you in Oakland, New Jersey, or is this Oakland, California? <laughs> All right, Mike apparently is a man of very few words. I so probably we'll scared him. See whether or not we can hear from Mike a little bit later on. There's also an Oakland, Michigan, by the way, too, oh, Jeff. Okay. All so right, well, we I'm going to start branching out on all your Oakland okay. subjects. Well, interesting. You know, you got to throw out all of those options. But let's see if we can check in on. How about Jeff in Maine, who joins us here? What's happening, okay. Jeff? Oh, hey, guys. How are you all doing today? Good. Doing all right, Jeff. What do you got for us? Tremendous win. Uh, up until uh, this week, you guys had, like, the toughest job in showbiz. <laughs> um, <laughs> but hopefully it'll, <laughs> you know, you guys, it's, it's probably even better for you. You know, you feel better after a win uh, just, you know, getting through the week and stuff. But uh, all positives. Um, I agree about Jason Garrett. I thought he uh, called a great game. And I think he should have gotten the game ball. Uh, I don't know if he got an actual one or whatever. Um, and I also was encouraged. I got a good feeling about the new linebacker, McKinney. He didn't play that much, but there was this one good TV shot where he pulled up the screen, you know, uh, uh, stuff in the run and stuff, and I thought that was encouraging. Um, but I've, I've actually got to give uh, Jeff some credit. I, I called a couple weeks ago with a, a punting thing, and I, was, uh, I complained that um, I thought the punter wasn't getting enough distance on his punts, and obviously it's not Jeff Eagle's fault, <laughs> but there's no one else I can complain to, you know. And uh, so the next game uh, against uh, uh, Dallas, I guess, he got a lot. He, he was kicking some 57-yarders and did a lot better. And I thought he did better last week. But now in the opposite direction, uh, I know he, uh, at one point, he had a punt that landed on the three-yard line that bounced into the end zone. Yeah. And I was just wondering if maybe he should have tried, you know, Jeff's specialty, kicking it, you know, uh, out of bounds within the 20-yard line. Yeah. But, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm wondering, who makes that call? Is it the punter that makes the call, yeah. or is it his coach that no, decides that? No, it's a punter. That? It's his job. Yeah, he, he, he basically oh. tells the, the guys going down there what he wants to do. And um, Lance, remember, right, that was right before the half. Um, yeah. I think I came into, right. the, into, the, into the booth, and I was like, well, he, that, 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 that's Zemo, though. I mean, uh, Riley has a tough time, you know, pinning when, it can't, when you need to do it, pinning that ball inside the 10-yard line, and that's uh, – you know, I'll tell you who was really good at that. It was Steve Weatherford. I mean, he, I think he, he was outstanding to putting that ball inside the 10-yard line when he was playing. And, you know, you, those are big momentum swings because, you know, you want to you pin a uh, team deep, Jeff, and then, you know, especially before the half is, is, is coming up and let them have to drive down a long ways. And, you know, that gives you some momentum. And also, by the way, you saw what happens when – Remember when the Giants went four plays and they didn't score a touchdown and the Giants' defense went out there with the ball on the one-yard line? Look at the momentum mm -hmm. that defense had going in on that play. Just flip that around when you're in offense and you put the ball down there inside the five-yard line. It's on to two or three. Michael Strahan used to say this to me all the time, coming off the field. You did it again. You did it again because they love that. They can, there isn't many plays that that offense can call on the three-yard line. 
Okay, the defense right. has the advantage. So um, that's a big play, and you know, to give him on the ball in the twenty yard line is is not acceptable. So uh, he's got to get better at that. And by the way, yeah, you know, you can kick the ball out of bounds, or just you have a play down there where those gunners run down and turn around and catch it. So. Anyway. For sure. Well, even getting it out at the 10, just getting an extra 10 yards can really help. Well, that's one less and, first uh, down. So, yeah. Right. And uh, Right. Sure. And then one final punting question. Uh, is it possible to kick a punt that has backspin, like a nine iron or something, so if it lands on the three-yard line, it bounces yeah, back? Yeah. I mean, that's what these guys, they have this They have this Aussie kick. That's what they do. They kick the, they kick the right. nose of it, and it actually spins backwards. And so then when it okay. hits, it does come back. Yeah. But, you know, not all the time. Okay. Not all the time. It's not that uh, – it's okay. not that – you know, consistent. It's uh, it. You know, I I don't know. Throw a number on it. But seven out of ten times, it'll probably happen. But you know, it's a football. It's 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 a weird shape. It's going to take okay, some right. crazy yeah, bounces. Yeah. But but if you try to get too cute with it, maybe that's when problems have happen. You know, shanking or whatever. Yeah. But uh, you mentioned something about the punter trying trying not to overthink things, and I'm wondering if the whole defense did that last week. You know, when, and they they just focused on tackling. And weren't you know planning their end zone celebration before they even made the tackle or whatever, <laughs> and uh, so anyway with that I'll I'll take it off the air. All right, Hi, Jeff. Thank you. Appreciate yep. the phone okay. call. The uh, by the way, Jeff, the punt that you were talking about, just so the audience understands, it was exactly where you were talking about it. It was a fourth and thirteen from the Carolina forty-eight. Dixon punted it forty-eight yards. It bounced into the end zone, and then Carolina wound up getting the ball, of course, at the twenty. Now the Giants' defense came through, forced the three and out. Mm-hmm. But you know that was an opportunity there to maybe have Carolina backed up. If you remember, like they were early in the game when Sam Darnold was called for intentional grounding, and it led to a safety because that drive they start on the Carolina two. That's right. Yep, those are big plays. And, yeah. you know, the, the punter, that's that's a big play category when you have other positions. You know, you're a defensive end, an edge rusher. The big play is the sack, right? Um, the wide receiver is, you know, touchdowns. And, you know, every one of those players has a category. Big plays for the punter are pinning, pinning teams deep. That's, your, that's what you got to do. Field position. Field position. That's what your that, weapon is. That's, that's what the punting position is all about because – by the way, for those scoring at home, uh, the offense is the kicker. Scores offense, so he scores points. The defense is the punter, field position, yep. right? So I am a defensive player, um, or I was a defensive player, no longer. But when I was, that, <laughs> I was on the defensive side of the football because that's even though it's an offensive As play, long as it didn't involve tackling, though, you were a defensive <laughs> no, player, okay? Yeah, thank God, yeah. I mean, if I, was to, if I was to, I wouldn't have had a job very long, Lance, uh, doing <laughs> tackling. So, But, you know, it, it's an offensive play, but it's a defensive play in a sense that that's what I'm out there for. So you've got to be able to make plays like that. Those are the, those are the bread and butters. I, I used to just chomp at the bit when that ball was inside the, on the other side of the 50. That was my bread and butter. I knew that I what I could do, and that was just making plays for my team, you know. And, and by the way, when the, sometimes when the ball was on the 36-yard line, that's not an easy kick for some people that they don't realize it. That's you know you're kicking from the 36-yard line. It's only 36 yards to the end zone, so you got to be able to kick a ball 26 yards to get it to the 10. You don't practice very many 26-yard kicks. You know what I'm saying? So you got to kind of understand. And I always, as you know, Lance. As the golfer that I am, I equate everything to golfing and punting. It's a kind of back and forth, right? You got to have your wedges down there. You got to have your 60 degree, your 58 degree. You got to know which wedge to grab and how to hit that punt. So, you know, Riley and all the other guys, they got to do a better job at getting that ball inside the 10 yard line. That's why we refer to, Jeff, sometimes punters as weapons because those yeah. guys, right, that can get their teams to down it inside the five, that's a weapon. 
it's a total weapon. And I, I think that, you know, when you look at the drive starts for when the defense goes out there and where that other team's drive start, you know, I, I remember statistics because Tom Coughlin used to tell us every Friday, but I know this one stuck in my head forever, is that any time a team started inside their own 20-yard line, they had an 11% chance of going down and scoring. Now, that might have changed over the years, but that one always stuck in my mind. And by the way, when it went from the 20, that's the 20. That's basically, that's a long ways nowadays because that 20, it's, it's, the 10-yard line is even less. I think it's 6% or maybe 5% of the time a team goes down the field and scores. So those are the things that I would think in my mind, if I put this ball inside the 10-yard line, I know that they have a less than 10% chance of scoring. That, I'm doing my job there. So that's, that's the weapon that you talk about. Yep. And it's natural to think the closer they are to midfield, then the more yeah. likely they are right to get into scoring range or yeah. score a touchdown. So, yeah. of course, you absolutely want to have to make them go 80, 85, 90-some-odd yards as opposed to maybe get it within that 65 to 70-yard radius. Let's head back to the phone lines. Joe is in Pennsylvania joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Joe? Hey there. Hi, guys. Uh, uh, Jeff, who was your head coach when you were with the Eagles? I had two of them. Uh, Buddy Ryan at first, and then Rich Kotite. And then Rich Kotite. Yeah, Buddy was a classic. I was wondering if you had Andy Reid. He came in and after. Uh, Anyway, did you hear that stat that John gave yesterday? He was talking, you know, the game plan was for Daniel to get rid of the ball uh, under two seconds. Uh, he said he he did all, all through the whole game. Six times he went over. He said two of them he got sacked, and the other four he's still running for his life. <laughs> uh, now I can t- uh, what I, what I want to say here: the offensive line. I, I, I can understand <laughs> uh, the offensive line. I can, I I can understand getting beat and making penalties, but then first two quarters. You know what I mean? We were driving down in there, and they were just stupid penalties. Well, that's what stalled you know? the drives, yeah. yeah. Right, offsides, downfield, come on, you got to notice. And then the other thing was, uh, it, it, gets, it gets me the most, is when they run stunts and we don't pick them up. You know what I mean? I'm... Oh, well, that's how that's Brian just, Burns, I mentioned, got the sack earlier in the game. Right, on that stuff yeah. aggravates me. I, I'm ready to smash my TV. I go crazy during that time. <laughs> uh, whatever. But that's what, you know, we, we are so undisciplined. Uh, we're supposed to be a disciplined team, really and truly. Even on a kickoff, there's penalties, penalties, penalties. We have to be up there 10 penalties a game. It's crazy. This got to stop, and us going into Kansas City, that, that's a, a noisy stadium. You know what I mean? Ooh, you're going to hear that. And we have to play under control in these stupid panels if we don't want to give a chance. Now, on the credit side, Daniel Jones proved to me everything again there. That third quarter drive where, you know, he was running the ball, the great catches he made, and, and then the pass to Pettis. He, he just proved how tough he, he, he was. You, you know what I mean? He almost willed the team to get down there, and uh, I, I, I have to give him credit for that. And Pettis looks like a, a, a good receiver, but do you, th- do you think when everybody comes back, he probably won't even get a jersey there? You know, well, uh, they did call him up from the practice squad, so I mean, I it's understand, understandable. But he, he, 
he looked pretty good there. You know, I I think Sills dropped that one ball, and then I didn't see him in the game again. Did, was he was he back in? You know, after he dropped that one, I think they took him back out. So. Uh, well, remember, uh, you lost C.J. Board, so one of those yeah, guys got to take his spot. Yeah, probably I, I, be I understand. So I just want to say I hope, I mean, these stupid penalties downfield and that, you know, I said you could see a player getting beaten holding in that, but these other stupid penalties, come other on. Other mental oh. mistakes. Yes, you're right. Right. Yep. That, that's got to be cleaned up if we got to get a, get, a, get a chance. So that's basically what I want to say. And Thanks, I, Joe. I said we still need a, a, a scat back or so. Booker played good. He, he finally made a 20-yard run. Yay, T offensive line in that. So go Giants. Thanks for taking my call. All right, Joe. Appreciate hey, the phone well, call. He, he did pitch the ball to uh, Dante Pettis on the path on the trick play, so I'll give him that much. But That's right. Yeah, <laughs> Booker gave Booker. it to him. And also Booker took a hit on that yeah, one because he, he was that about to be like brought a, down. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. Um, penalties, yeah. They're just, you know, a lot of them are, you know, they're just, those are mental errors. I mean, the two that come, three that come to my mind uh, – Two of them on special teams. Well, there was there, was there were three Crot- on special teams. Yeah, Crotton had two of them. Okay. Um, and then, by the way, the John Ross one that he just moved like a two feet. Illegal motion. Illegal motion that, uh, you know, that took away a third down a run. There was a completion. There was a third down um, conversion by Daniel Jones, and that, that knocked him out of that. So those things. And then the illegal man downfield. You've been playing offensive line all your life. I mean, pretty much these guys have played offensive line all their life. You've got to know that situation where you're at on the field. I can see that. See, the referees will give you that little cushion in there because it's just the way that the game goes, the flow. But six yeah. yards, not, that's not going to work. <laughs> you know, so There's I, only so much wiggle room you can get. There's only so much yeah. wiggle. You've got double the wiggle room there. They're going to fl- throw the flag. And, by the way, it just kills drives. Like you said, Lance, it kills drives. It kills momentum. Um, and those are mental errors. That's what they are. Yeah, they had, because I track every single penalty every season. They've actually had, which is quite remarkable, four penalties this year where an offensive lineman was called for being an ineligible player downfield. I can tell you all. You had Solder, you had Price, you've had uh, Bredersen, and I think the Parrot. I think those are your four. From, that just come to my mind. I don't know if you got them, if I'm right. I, well, let me – I'll look up the specifics. I have the list here. Yeah. I, I well, we know two. from the last game, obviously, yeah. you had Solder, and, and then you also had Paird. Now, and Billy Price, correct, was called yep. for one. I'm trying to see which game that was. I'll bring up my Orleans list game. here, and uh, I'll see as it highlights uh, all of the uh, penalties. Let's see here. Okay, so you had – Billy Price was called for it at the Washington game. Washington. And then Hernandez was called for it against the Falcons. Okay, that's who it was. That rounded out the four. There you go. Yeah. All right. And as far as, they're not quite at 10 penalties a game. At this stage right now, they have a total of 44 penalties through seven games. But they have had at least eight penalties in a game. They've pulled that off three times, and they've had at least five penalties if you tack that on, that'll be five times. So it's been consistent where, you know, they've pretty much been penciled in for about five penalties a game. Well, and this was one of the least penalized teams in the NFL last year. Yep. Which is what, what made believers out of us that this is a disciplined football team, right? Because when Joe Judge came in here last season um, as a rookie head coach, that that's what he preached is disciplines, fundamentals, and we believed it. Well, what happened to it this year? You know, it's 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 taken 
you know, a little step back. But so hopefully they can button that up and move forward because eventually those, and we know, we know that penalties will cost you a game because they did, they cost them the Washington game. That, that was a penalty that lost them a game. But some of those other ones, I mean, you and I have gone crazy with the penalties that, I mean, we've talked, there was two games in particular that we were just beside ourselves, like looking at each other going, what in the world? Look at these penalties. It's like, how can you win doing this? You can't. You can't win in this league. You might be able to win somewhere else, but not in the National Football League. There's too many guys on the other side of the ball that are better, or just as good as you, and that that's just making it hard on yourselves. Well, the thing is, Jeff, the volume is up this year because, as you referenced, they were tied for the fifth fewest last season. But remember, I brought this point up a lot. Even though the volume wasn't high last season, the timing of the penalties was awful, right? They would always get the penalties in the red zone, and they would all of a sudden move themselves backwards and have to settle for a field goal or get no points. So even though you could argue, yeah, the penalties weren't extremely high last season, what's the common element in play this season and last season is the timing still stinks for all of these penalties. Yeah. And that's why the drives stall or they wind up struggling in the red zone. Yep. The negative yeah. plays, they can't overcome those negative plays. This offense is not good enough to shoot themselves in the foot no. and then two plays later regroup and recover from that. You can't do it. Yeah. You just can't. You're not that you're not well not many teams are good enough to to overcome those, but you know a few are. Um but you know the Giants aren't because their offense isn't, you know, and even it's not all offense. I mean some of the plays defensively on third downs and you get a, you know, you get an offsides call or a holding call on a third down where you stop them. That extends the drive and then they go down and score a touchdown. Well, you were one play away from getting the ball back for your offense and next thing you know, you're down seven points three plays later. That's, 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 that, that hurts you so bad. That's how you lose games. That's yeah. a penalty that loses you games and that's the type of penalty that loses you games. Not the volume, it's the type. And those types the type of, and the timing. The yeah. type and the timing. The double and the one, T. The one, that, the one that really bothers me offensively for the Giants, um, and I feel like this isn't just this year, I feel like this happens all the time, is that you work your butt off to get down there in the short red zone, and you've got first and goal at the four, and you immediately jump off sides. You now have first and nine at the, at the nine-yard line, right? I mean, it's, you got first and goal at the nine now. You were just at the four-yard line. And then, you know, then there's something else that might happen. And then you get like a sack a two, or a negative play, and now you're second and 11. You were just there because that penalty took you back and it just started a downward spiral. And those things, that's the one thing that kills me with the Giants when they get in the red zone is their production as far as the penalties. That, that's, that's, what help, that's what helps you lose games. Ugh. And that happened a lot last season. Frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. Frustrating. Let's try to squeeze in one more caller here sure. before we wrap up shop. We got Rick in Tampa joining us. What's happening, Rick? Hi, Rick. Hey, Lance. Jeff, what's up, guys? How are you? Real quick. What do you got for us? Take it. I'll, I'll catch on uh, at the end of the week as well. Real quick, two things. I, I, as I talked last week, I didn't expect much from the offense. They uh, plugged away. That I think it was a good that the, the line, offensive line, pretty much stayed the same throughout the whole game. That mm-hmm. was I thought that was good. And you know we didn't punch it in the goal line. I understand all that stuff, but we we did what we could do. Defense stood up. We actually had interception, all that good stuff. The penalties you said, especially on the special teams, was definitely disarming. Uh, but we did what we had to do, and we got away with the win. I just have uh, uh, Galladay, um, um, uh, Tony. And Barkley is uh, 
instincts. Uh, will they be able to play this Monday? Because I think that will uh, it's going to be huge if they can get in the game. And just the output on this Kansas City game, which um, is, is now is, is almost the biggest game that I've seen in a while for the Giants, where we have, I mean, with the way Kansas City's playing, any op, any thought that they were ever going to look past the Giants to see their next three games at the Are we really uh, buying those storylines? We're still running with those <laughs> narratives, Rick. I mean, it sounds like yeah. child's play. Do, do you really? <laughs> do you really think? Okay, you have 17 regular season games, Rick. Let, let me. I, I really. Right. I want to understand when people make this argument. Button, I don't understand Rick. where they're coming from. You have 17 you regular season games. Can you really yeah. afford to start looking ahead at games when you only have 17 opportunities to play a football game? If Kansas City was the Kansas City of old, which they—that's the thing—they don't seem to be. They seem to be off. If they were, they would say, you know what, the Giants are one and five, but now we're two and five. Um, we got Packers, Bills, and all these teams coming up. Let's, I believe that teams do, especially on a short week, look ahead. So I agree, but I believe that. Well, but this and is not a short week, though. This is not a short week it for Kansas be, City. It's an extended week. No, it would, no, no, no. I mean, the week going into Green Bay game would be a short week, right? Because they're uh, Well, playing. yeah, because they'd be playing on a Monday, you're saying, yeah. and then on a Sunday. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so but anyway, I mean, at three and four, once again, I mean, they're right now, they're in a position where they need to win a football game because oh, yeah, they're no, in a very no, tight division that, race. Yeah, no, they have to. And that's, I said, that whole conversation that you were just saying can happen because Kansas City, now, is it, what is the Kansas City? Is, it, is this just that they are having this many problems or are they going to come out and, and just destroy the Giants? So I'm hoping that uh, we get those players back. And my question was, do you think they'll be back? Well, as I said earlier in the show, let, let me just run through this. As we emphasized earlier in the show, when Joe Judge spoke to the media the other day, he said it'll be very telling to see what their activity participation is on Thursday, which will be a Wednesday practice because everything's pushed back. And he said they're all on different timelines because they're all different injuries at this point. So we're really not going to know until we see whether or not they get out on the practice field on Thursday. But I will say this, if they're DNP or even if they're limited, you know, that still brings their status into question at this point. Yeah, okay. All right, because then yeah, that's what I wanted to get your gut instinct on that. And because this is, I mean, again, this is where Joe Judge and the staff have to, Gosh, pull out a win here would be amazing, and it gives us a hope for for opportunity to do so. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that because I know it's the end of the day, and I may end of the week I will get with you on the the strategy for the game. But uh, I appreciate the the call and uh, enjoy sure. the show. All right, thanks Rick. for listening. Yep. Thanks, Rick. I, I will tell you this. Um, yeah, I mean, I have a feeling that they're collectively, Lance. They're they're not looking ahead. Um, teams, I think that players do. I think guys actually think that, you know, they it's just a mentality that they get um, in the locker room. Just It's just natural. I think it's just it's just natural for guys to think that this team is not that good um, on paper, but, and they just kind of sometimes do. But, you know, you would think that they – I see your point. I also see Rick's point. It's a little bit of both. Um, have I – I mean, I, I've been around teams where, yeah, we're good and we look forward to, you know, this team is not that good. We know we can beat anybody. That's a lot of confidence going into. I don't know if that's more looking for looking forward. To well, the I think that's opponent. confidence, though. Jeff. Yeah, that's that's, that's what, what I would I'm argue. Saying. I don't think yeah. it's looking past the opponent. Yeah. I just think it's saying, it's "Hey, confidence. we're pretty damn good, and yeah. we know if we handle our business, we're going to roll right. over this team." That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a negative. I just I don't get the idea of well, it's week fifteen, but we're already thinking about week seventeen. I just I, I, that <laughs> I don't see happening. I just gotcha. think teams feel really good about their chances of winning a game. I'll give you that.
That I can absolutely see. Yeah. It's it's, it's yeah. a confidence that gets portrayed as looking for looking ahead. That's what it is. So, and there are a lot of guys that do that. I'm telling you, there's guys that maybe you know they know that they're not playing a very good team next week, and you know they cut their preparation down a little bit. It's just human nature. Some guys just do. Um, and then collectively, if, if there's too many of them that do it, then it actually really works. It, they did look ahead and they get beat. You know, that's what you know. That that's where you you just look back and you like. Not that the Giants looked ahead for by any means with the Atlanta Falcons or the Washington Redskins, or excuse me, their Washington football team. But you know, they lost those games, and I mean, man, you look you look back and go, man, if we had just done a little things a little bit better to win this game, we would be sitting. Imagine here if we're talking the Giants are four and three right now, Lance. Man, it would be a different narrative, totally different narrative. Well, and it know, also gives you a little bit more wiggle room, too, for later sure. on in the season. It totally. If I you mean, slip up a little. And, yeah. you know, rather than people talking about the trade deadline and who, who's going to come in and grab the, the players on the Giants. And, by the way, I, I don't ever really truly understand the whole – I think the trade in, in football has got a little bit better, but it's nothing like baseball where you're going to go out and grab players. By the way, how many – this is a this is a 2-5 and five football team. How many players do you think people want to come and get from a 2-5 and five football team? You know, I mean, I, I just, you know, I don't get it. So it's not, I think it just comes down to the contractual situation, maybe of a player a who's on bit. a team that's struggling. You know, that may be appealing, especially if they're set to be a free agent at the end of the season. You think that could give you some more depth? Maybe that would and be a the selling point. But need. Yeah. yeah, but the value to your point, the value overall of a team is definitely going to then impact the individual components if the team itself is struggling. And I, I by think the that's way, at least how many really good teams want to trade their players? Well, that's the other thing, of course. Yeah, if you have a good team, you're going to hold yeah, on so, to I your mean, players. It's, Absolutely. It's just, yeah. I, it's just, I, think that, I think that more of the contractual part of it and the money and cap space and things like that have more to do with it rather than the, what I would say. I think that that has a lot more to do with it. Like, listen, we're in need of a tight end. Okay, I'm just, just just throwing this, like, just say, like, Evan Ingram is a guy that's a team that maybe, you know, he's on a – that that might work better for them at this juncture, right? You know what I'm saying? So because of the contract situation and this and that, or, you know, so I think that all comes into play. Um, but, you know, it just doesn't happen as much as you think. Now, the big one that's going to happen, we think, is, you know, with Deshaun Watson here is see what happens with that one. That's, that's, that's all. That's contractual. That's, that's off the field. That's, that's the whole, whole package there, right? A lot of different <laughs> layers to that. Yeah. <laughs> layers. Yeah, the, that's exactly right. And the trade deadline is going to be coming up a week from today. So we'll see whether or not Yep, yep, some activity builds up leading up to next week. All right, that is going to wrap up the latest edition. You got it, Jeff, of Big Blue Kickoff Live. A reminder, the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself. Get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care providers. So, Today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere and the Giants.com slash podcast. You can obviously tune in each and every day here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. We'll be up and running again tomorrow at 12.30 p.m. Eastern and we'll be on each and every day leading up to Friday and then back on Monday to set the stage for the Monday night game against the Chiefs. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Stay locked to Giants.com and we'll speak to you on Wednesday. Have a good one.